I want to welcome you once again, and uh, I feel like maybe I need to introduce myself to some of y'all. I've already got the joke from some of y'all that know me. It's like, hey, who are you? You know, and the, the uh, visitor, the welcome station handed me a connection card, like, would you fill this out? You know, but seriously, I, I love seeing some new faces here over the last few months. That's what ought to be happening. We ought to be seeing new people show up. Amen? And so uh, my name's Ashley. I get to be the pastor here, and I want to uh, thank the church for allowing me to be on sabbatical for the past three months. It has been a very rewarding and refreshing, uh, spiritually renewing time uh, for me. But I just got to say, I missed you guys. I really, really missed you guys. Just being here, worshiping with you um, was just so, so very good. Um, and like I said, it was a refreshing, renewing time. Um, you know, I, I, yes, I got some rest, but more importantly, I got to spend some time uh, unhurried, unhindered, uninterrupted time with God in prayer. Uh, not like 8 or 10 or 16 hours a day, but just whenever uh, God led, I just got to spend some time with Him, uh, learning and growing in that discipline of, of prayer. Uh, and one of the things that really made it possible for me to, to enjoy that time was knowing uh, how well that things were in good hands here. You know, that we had different people stepping up in leadership. Uh, that our staff team did just an amazing job. Can we just thank God for our staff team and what a great job. Um, you know, I watched some of the services online, and man, Sam Crouch and Jeff Mashaw in Youth Sunday, I watched that, Zona Sunday, the testimonies the youth gave, and Zach's message, they all did a good job. I talked to Sam Monday, I was like, dude, you know, you could have stunk it up a little bit, you know? I mean, those are some really good messages, but... Um, now, obviously, after being away for 12 weeks, uh, naturally, I got some things I want to share with you. I'm going to try not to get it all out in one day, uh, but over the next few weeks, I do want to share some things that God's laid on my heart, and I believe he wants me to share with you. Is that okay? I hope so, because that's what's coming. Um, and one of those things that God, you know, like I said, I spent a lot of time just, you know, spending time in prayer and learning about the discipline of prayer and just how vital prayer is not only to a believer, but, but to the success of a church and the vitality of a church. And so, and this shouldn't come as any surprise after we spent like a year and a half in Acts, and we're going to try to finish Acts by the end of this year before Christmas, but it shouldn't come as any surprise that uh, I think one of the things where God is taking us, what lies ahead, is that um, I really believe God is leading us to be a church that gets to the place where we are fully dependent on Him through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. You know, that's what we've seen all through Acts is when, when believers and the church, was, when they were dependent on, on prayer and on the Holy Spirit, man, God did amazing, incredible things. And we also saw in the story of Acts that a lot of times people who weren't walking with God but thought they were and were kind of doing their own things, that's when things went, you know? And so we want to get to that place where, where we're just, just fully dependent on God through prayer and the Holy Spirit. And again, I'm not talking about anything weird and wacky and charismatic, but just good, basic stuff. But before we get to that place of being dependent, we really got to get to another place where we are yielded to his will, where we say, not my will, but thine be done. And we can do that a little bit, and you've probably done that, and I've done that from time to time, where we say, not my will, but yours. But to, to do that collectively and continually, we got to get to another place. And that's what we're going to talk about today, where we are abiding in Christ, where we are remaining in him. You know, it, it's good that you have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, but what we want to do is we want to do what Jesus says in John 15, to remain in 
him. So if you open your Bibles to John 15, we're going to read that here in just a moment. And just a little setup for this passage. This is Jesus talking to his disciples here in John chapter 15. It's really the middle of a five-chapter section where Jesus is meeting with his disciples. Um, it's Thursday, right before he's about to be arrested and, and go to the cross and die for the sins of the world and then be raised back to life on Sunday. But he's spending some time with his disciples here in John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. And, he, and he's just sharing his heart with them and he's praying for them. And right here in the middle in John chapter 15, you know, they've just shared the Passover meal, what we call the Last Supper, what we celebrate, the Lord's Supper. We're going to do that today. And right here in the middle of John, or in the middle of it, the beginning of John chapter 15, Jesus gives his disciples some instructions about the importance of, a, the importance of abiding in him, of remaining in him. Let's read that together, just the first eight verses. Jesus says, I am the true grapevine. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, if that helps. Uh, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, verse 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is, is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. And such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. All right, today we want to look at what does it mean to abide in Christ. We're going to talk next week about yielding and then in week three about depending, but first we want to talk about what? Abiding in Christ. And why is that so important? You know, why do we need to abide in Christ? Well, point number one, if you're following along in your outline, in your notes, point number one is this, is you can be saved and not be closely connected to Jesus. This is why it's so important that we abide in Christ is because you can be a Christian, you can be saved, but you can be a believer who is not abiding. You can be a believer who's not closely connected to Jesus. We're not going to read verses 1 through 4 again because we just read them, but in those passages, Jesus uses the image, the image of a grapevine, a very familiar image. You know, vineyards were very common in that region. If he was in France, he would use this and people would get it. If he was, uh, what's the city between here and Sierra Vista that's got all the vineyards? Yeah, sinners. All right. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> That was a setup. I knew it too. Actually, I didn't. I thought it was Bisbee. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to stop. All right. But Jesus is using a very familiar image to them that they would have got. You know, there was vineyards all over the place. Some people had their own little private vineyard in their backyard. Some people, uh, you know, worked in vineyards. And so this was a common image that they would have gotten. And remember, this is important to remember who he's talking to right here. Obviously, we're, we're hearing it, and he's speaking to us. God's word speaks to us today. Amen. But in this context, right now, he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the 11. Okay, this is after they've had the Lord's Supper. Judas has gone away to betray him. Um, 
And so this is him and his disciples, his closest followers, and he tells them that he's the vine and they're the branches, and he says, you need to stay connected to me. He says in verse 3, listen, you're in, okay? You're, you're, you're a part of me. It's, you're, you're in, but then in verse 4 he says, but now you, you got to make sure you remain in me. Remain in me and remain closely, closely connected to me. Why would he say that? Why do we need to hear that today? Well, it's because you can be a Jesus follower. You can be saved. You can be a Christian, but living a life where you're not walking closely with God, living a life where you're not remaining tight with Jesus. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like your kids. You know, they're your kids, their family. Nothing's going to change that. I'm sorry you're stuck with them, all right? But, but there are some times there are sometimes, while still being family, we can find ourselves not being as closely connected as we once were, you know? And I'm not just talking about physically moving apart, like, you know, moving to a different city or state or whatever. You can still stay connected that way. I'm talking about relationally, we're not as closely connected. Uh, I remember when I graduated from college, as soon as I graduated from college, I got an opportunity to serve in ministry. I was in Mobile, Alabama. I got a chance to move to Houston, Texas uh, to serve as a youth ministry intern. And, um, and so uh, I drove to Texas and got there on a Wednesday afternoon and hit the ground running, you know, doing youth ministry. Had a great youth pastor serving over me. And I mean, working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, making about 100 bucks a week and, and loving it, you know. Um, I don't know how I survived. I lived with a, with a family there at church, and basically I had enough money for gas and maybe McDonald's once every now and then. But, but I was loving it. Well, about three weeks go by, and I'm in the office, and one of the ladies in the office says, Ashley, you've got a phone call. It's your dad. I was like, oh, cool. I was like, hey, dad. Dad was not happy. I'm giving my best Jerry Evans voice. He was like, son. You've been gone for three weeks, and you haven't bothered to call home once. We didn't know if you were alive. We didn't know if you made it there. Your mom thinks you don't care about the family anymore, that you don't love her. I'm going to hang up the phone, and you're going to call right back, and you're going to talk to your mom, and you're going to call her every single week. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. <laughs> and that's just what I did. I had allowed myself to become disconnected. I was still family, but I allowed myself to become disconnected. The same thing can happen with us and Jesus. The same thing can happen in, in our lives. We can be family. We can be God's family, his children, saved, assured that when we die, we, we will spend eternity with him. But if we're not careful, there can be times where we're not walking close with him. I know you're here at church, and so I'm not getting on to you because you're here, but there are times where maybe we don't come to worship him like we ought to. There are times where maybe we don't spend, uh, maybe we get out of fellowship with our, with our group of believers, our small group, our connect group, with the people that can help us grow, where we can know and be known and love and be loved. Maybe we don't spend as much time in God's Word as we used to. We skip a day or two, and then after skipping a day or two, it becomes a few days, and then it becomes a week or two, and before long, we're not spending time in His Word anymore. Or maybe we're not spending as much time in prayer. We pray far too little and far too, our prayers are far too weak. We just sort of toss up a text. It's so easy. It's so easy for Christians to, for someone to be saved, but to fall away from that close connection they had with Jesus. 
And why, this, why is this so important that we remain closely connected? Well, the second thing that we see in this passage in verses 5 through 8 is that Jesus is our source of life. The reason we need to stay closely connected to Jesus is because Jesus is our source of life. He says in John 15, 5, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is making here one of his I am statements that he makes in John's gospel. He makes seven of these I am statements throughout John's gospel. And, and in other places, he uses these familiar images that, would, that people would associate with. And some of them had some, uh, some theological, doctrinal significance. And others had, were, were just familiar uh, things like, you know, like the vine that they would have understood. Um, but you know, they all reveal something about himself. In other places, he says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the door. I'm the resurrection and the, vi- resurrection and the life. And then here he says, I am the vine. And what he's saying is that I am the source of life. If you want to stay connected to God, you've got to stay connected to me. If you want to live in right relationship with God, you've got to remain in me. He's saying he, by being the source of life, that Jesus is where we get fulfillment and hope and meaning and purpose and joy and all the other good things that we look for in life, all the other things that we chase after. Can I, can I just tell you something? Jesus not only wants to be your source of life, he's supposed to be your source of life. But so often we look to so many other things to, to, to fill us. And I hope your job isn't your source of life. Some of us have learned that, that work doesn't fulfill us. That you just keep climbing and climbing and climbing, and you get to the top and you realize, wow, I have my ladder leaning up against the wrong building this whole time. I hope, I hope a relationship isn't your source of life. I pray that God blesses you with a godly boyfriend or girlfriend, husband or wife, uh, kids who maybe drive you nuts but eventually, you know, grow up to love the Lord. But I hope a relationship isn't your source of life. I really hope your sports team or your hobby isn't your source of life. Here's the deal. We've talked about this before. It's okay to enjoy the things of life. Will you say that with me? It's okay to enjoy the things of life. Let's say it again. It's okay to enjoy the things of life, but they are not meant to be our source of life. God God left us in this world. He put us in this world to glorify him and to point other people to Jesus, and he allows us to enjoy the things that, that are here but they are never meant to be our source of life. Jesus says that he is the vine. He's the source of life. And, and, he, and he tells us that we need to stay closely connected to him so that we can bear fruit because that's what we're meant to do. We didn't read it, but later on in verse 16, Jesus says, I called you and appointed you to bear fruit. And then he presents us with a couple of options on how we can live, either with him being our source of life or not. Listen to verse 6 through 8. Jesus says, anyone who doesn't remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. And such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples and this This brings great glory to my Father. So Jesus gives us two options, two ways we can live. One is is life on your own, okay? One is just, hey, you know, you doing your thing, 
not closely connected to Jesus, and, and really that's an empty, spiritually dead life where you're not producing fruit and you're not being useful to God. Now, let me just pause right here. I don't think this is talking about losing your salvation. I know it says cut off and thrown into the fire, and instantly we all think, oh my goodness, I'm going to hell. Oh my goodness. This, and there are, some, there are some commentaries that say that's what this is talking about. However, there are others, and I kind of lean onto this, is remember who's Jesus talking about in this passage? Who's he talking to? Who's he talking to? His disciples. And he already told them, you're in. In verse 3, your translation may say, you're, you're clean and, and because of what I've told you. And that goes back to chapter 13, where he's washing their feet. And, and Peter's like, no, you can't wash my feet. And he goes, I must wash your feet, otherwise you have no part of me. And then Peter's like, well, then wash my whole body. And Jesus is like, why you got to be weird, bro? Come on. You're already clean, you know? You know. It, but, and so that's who he's talking to here. Now, so he's not talking about losing your salvation and, and, and you worrying about, oh my goodness, if I do something wrong and I don't abide in Jesus today, I may go to hell. That's, that's not what he's saying. He's saying if you're living a life apart from him, a life that's, that you're going to be living a life that's, that's spiritually dead and empty and of no use to God. Now, I do agree with this statement. If you're okay with living a life apart from Jesus, if you're okay with not being connected to him, you might want to double check and make sure you really got saved to begin with. That's option one, life on your own. Option two is life lived remaining in Jesus. And guys, this is the good life. This is the good life. This, th this is fruitful. It's blessed. He says you can ask for whatever you want. Oh, I need a new truck. Come on. No. It's, it's you walking so closely with, with, with God through faith in Jesus and connection to Jesus that you're praying, your prayers, are, you're, you, you know the heart of God or, or you know, through his Holy Spirit, he helps you understand his heart better and you're able to pray for things that God already wants to give you. If your kid wakes up in the morning and says, I want chocolate cake, you're going to say no. If your kid wakes up in the morning and says, hey, can I get cereal? What are you going to say, moms, dads? Yeah. They're already asking for what you want to give them, Right? Here's the deal. We tend to look at option two like it's exceptional Jesus living. It's really the expectation. Let me say that again. We tend to look at this second option of living closely with Jesus like, wow, that's like super Christian. No, that's just the, ex that's the expectation. Look, if you're saved and, and, and there's been a time in your life where you've placed your faith in Jesus and you have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, man, I am so thrilled for you. But don't let it end there. The expectation is that we remain in Jesus. And the reason we need to remain in Jesus, like we said, is because we're supposed to bear fruit, and, and it allows us to bear fruit, and God expects us to bear fruit. And so that brings us to the last thing, really more a question of reflection is this. Number three, what kind of fruit would God find if he checked on you today? What kind of fruit would God find in your life? In Isaiah chapter 5, God uh, compares his people to a vineyard, and and, and sadly, it's a time where they're not walking with God. They're, they're not worshiping him. They're not obeying his commands. And, and many of them are even worshiping other gods. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. We're just going to jump down to verse 4. God says, what more could I have done for my vineyard, for my people, that I have not already done? When I expected sweet grapes, why did my vineyard give me bitter grapes? You know, this vineyard 
illustration, this is just what Jesus is talking about. You know, when someone plants a vineyard, they expect to get fruit out of the vineyard. They expect to get grapes and grapes that they can do something with, either just eat them right off the vine or make jelly out of them or make wine or grape juice or whatever. But they expect to, to find something. They're looking for fruit. They're looking for fruit that's useful. It's not just there to be decorative. And guys, we are meant to be useful to God. You're not just meant to show up and fill up a bunch of seats and, oh, look how many people should. No, we're meant to be useful. And that's what's going on here with God's, with God's people. With, with here in, in Isaiah, God says, look, I, I rescued you from Egypt and I took you to the promised land and I drove out all your enemies and, and I provided for you and I protected you. And then he comes back to check on them to see because they were supposed to be his witness to the world. They were supposed to be the ones where all the other nations looked at them and saw how great things were going for them and how blessed they were, they were and they'd say, wow, their God must be the one true God. And instead he comes and checks on them and he finds that they're not walking with him. And he finds that, that he finds fruit he can't use. And so again, the question, when God comes to check on my life and your life, what's he going to find? I hope he finds what he's hoping to find. I hope he finds the fruit of our lives that's just big, plump, and juicy. I hope God doesn't find raisins, you know, raisins hanging off of a dead, dry branch. I know that's not how raisins are made, but stick with me. I hope he finds big plump. I want to be filled with Jesus juice. And I hope you do too. I hope you do too. I hope you just, I hope when God squeezes you, you know, that you're just so connected to the vine that you're just bursting. What's God going to find when he comes to check on you? Well, in a little bit, we're going to take Lord's Supper, and that's really what that time is. It's a time of reflection and self-examination. It's an opportunity for you to say, God, check on me. Maybe you do that very often. Maybe you haven't done it in a while, but you get a chance today. We're going to sing a song of response in just a little bit. And I want to lead us in some, some things that maybe you can pray about during that song of response. And you may want to stand and sing. You may want to sit right where you are and pray. I was at one church where, where people were kneeling in, in, right here on the chairs right in front during the worship song. And it was great. I was with my family, my, my, my Alabama family. And, and I, I turned around and looked around and everybody was standing but me. And I looked at my niece. I was like, hey, thanks for not telling me, you know, now I need to stand. She goes, we just, I just thought you were in the spirit. I thought you had a lot of sin to confess. I was like, okay, well, thanks, you know. But, but maybe you want to do that. Maybe you want to come down front. I don't know. But during this response song, let me give you a couple of things that you can ask God to examine you in. Because later on in chapter 15, Jesus gives us a couple of things. He says, Here, here's how you know you're remaining in me. One is that you're being obedient to his commands. He says, if you remain in me and you remain obedient to my commands, that's, that's what it means to remain in me. Are you being obedient? Would you ask God, say, Lord, am I being obedient to you or am I being disobedient in some area? Is there a sin in my life that I need to get, that you need to deal with? Is there a lack of obedience in some area, some place where you've been trying to grow me and I've just been resistant? Are you being obedient? The second, he says, here's how you know that you're remaining in him is that you keep his commands. And one of those commands is that you love one another. Love one another more than you love yourself. Love one another so much that you lay down your life for a brother or sister in Christ. As you pray and as we sing and respond, would you ask God, Lord, is there somebody I need to love today? More specifically, God, is there somebody I need to forgive or seek forgiveness from? 
you know, if, if uh, Drew's, Maddie's back in town, Drew's coming back this week. We're going to get the whole family together. Morgan and Adam, it's going to be great. Josh, you're welcome to hang out with us too. Uh, <laughs> It, 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 but if, if there were a couple of my kids that were mad at each other and being ugly to each other, I'm just not going to talk to them. And we're sitting down at the family table. That wouldn't sit right with me. I'd say, we need to get this worked out. Guys, we're fixing to sit down to the family table together. We're about to sit down with, with our Heavenly Father and take communion. If you got a beef or a gripe with someone, or if you need to ask forgiveness for something you said or did or, or offer forgiveness to them and say, I love you and I forgive you, whether you think you need it or not, this is the time to do it. And one last thing, maybe, maybe today is the day of salvation for some of you. Maybe today is the day where you say, you know what? I want what that guy's got. I want what I'm reading about in God's word. I want what I'm seeing in the lives of other people around me. I want a relationship with Jesus. You can have that today by simply calling on him and saying, I'm ready to be a Jesus follower. I may not understand everything about it, but I know this. I'm ready to be a child of God, and I'm ready to start following you, Jesus.